What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Sunday Golds. Um, it's just going to be me this week on here. Um, Ari is doing some of the broadcasts this weekend for TCU, and he's taking a lot of time to prepare for that and get ready for that. Um, so that's why he's not on here. Um, you know, we didn't do one earlier in the week. I was trying to get, you know, last semester, last week of school done um, and get a bunch, get some coursework done. Uh, so it just took you know, a few days this week to, to take a step back from baseball and didn't really want to talk about it until we could get, you know, until I could get some real full thoughts in. Um, so, you know, we'll break down, I'll break down some Clemson stuff, some stuff in the Clemson series. Uh, I think I'll talk about some underlying issues with the, this team right now. Uh, preview the TCU series, um, you know, a pretty in-depth preview because it's, you know, a huge series for the, for both teams. And, um, and then we'll do mailbag at the end of this. Got a lot of questions this week. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of upset fans and, you know, a lot of people that are disappointed with the team after the way last weekend went. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard not to question that. And, and I mean, it, it was definitely a, a disappointing weekend um, at Clemson. Uh, you know, it, it's not the end of the world to go on the road and lose an ACC series and, that is a Clemson team that's starting to find their way with some some hitters and mixing and matching their pitchers, um, but the way Florida State dropped that series was was extremely disappointing. Uh, I mean, you led through, you led going into the bottom of the seventh of every game. Um, yeah, so to, to to only come out of there with one win, it, that's as it's as tough as it gets, and it's not how this team should be with their pitching staff, especially and with some some guys they have on the roster that are just struggling right now. Um, you know, I, I still think there's a path to hosting a regional. Um, I mean, there's some obvious concerns with for me with stuff like composure and how this team's going to play on the road moving forward. But, uh, you know, at Clemson, that's the biggest environment this team's going to see this year during the regular season, I think, um, especially for an ACC series. I mean, you're still going to go on the road to BC and UNC, but um, you really don't expect crowds like that, <clears throat> like they are at Clemson. Uh, I was there. They're pretty rowdy. They they get into the game, especially late. Um, but yeah, so Florida State didn't handle that and you know that environment very well. Um, you know, I, I won't really speak much on game one since we did. I did that instant react on Friday night. Um, basically, got all my thoughts about that game in there. Um, game two, FSU wins four to three behind Connor Whitaker, three point one scoreless innings out of the pen. James Tibbs had a seventh inning pinch hit home run. That was huge um, to even the series. But then Florida State, um, they're up 5-3. They were up 3-0 early on Sunday. Then they were up 5-3 in the sixth, and they ended up losing 8-5. I um, think they made four or five errors in, in the eighth inning, and or four errors in the eighth inning, five errors through the game. Both teams made five errors. It was about as ugly of a game as you can find, and um, that eighth inning was the ugliest inning I have witnessed um, this, from, this, from this program since I've been here. Um, as a student, that was... That was not fun to watch, not even just as, you know, someone that covers the team, but just watching it, it just hurt to watch. I feel like it even hurt for, for Clemson fans to watch. It was quite faint, painful to get through that. Just wanted to start my drive home at that point. Um, but, yeah, I think first we'll talk about some of the positives from Saturday. Um, you know, obviously, Connor Whitaker, that was, that was pretty unreal from a freshman to do what he did in that spot. Um, he just keeps showing you that he's reliable in the strike zone. He's going to, you know, make hitters beat him. Uh, and, you know, he also has some swing and miss with, with the changeup, obviously. It seems like what he was able to go to basically the whole time against Clemson. Uh, I think he faced Wright and Wagner twice as well and, you know, got both of them out. Um, so that was just, that was, you know, one run game. That's, you can't ask for anything more from him. Uh, 3.1 innings, no hits, no walks. I think he only allowed one base runner on a hit by pitch. Also had three strikeouts. Um, I mean, he was he was cruising the whole time. Never looked like anything was going to get to him. Composed, he was composed. He was calm. Um, so it's just really good to see him do that. And I thought it was really good to see Meat trust him and just let it ride out. Let the hot hand, you know, finish the game out. No reason to do anything else and just keep it simple. Uh, they did that. You know, they got some. You know, a couple timely hits here and there. Uh, obviously, like I mentioned, James Tibbs had the, the game-winning hit with the home run off the bench. Um, I really like the way James has been swinging the bat lately. You know, he's seeing the ball well. He's having good takes, and he's making impact when he does swing the bat. 
uh, you know, you know, open the scoring as well on Sunday with an RBI double. Um, but you know, go, go back, going back to the start on Saturday from Bryce, they jump on him early, right and Wagner. Um, those those are really good hitters. Both of those guys are really good hitters. They both tag Bryce for home runs early in the game, both on fastballs, first pitch fastballs, and it was pretty obvious that Clemson was gonna you know just try to take away the fastball from Bryce right away and attack it every single time he threw it early in the count and. You know their game plan was really to make him use you know work through his breaking balls, um, and you know I thought the slider was good, the curveball were good, but you know he couldn't put guys away. You know for some reason, um, couldn't you know he didn't have that extra oomph on that fastball. It seemed you know he didn't have that extra you know ride up in the zone. Uh, he's been working mostly about eighty seven, eighty nine the last couple weeks. You know I really would like to see him you know tick back up you know a mile per hour or two and. You know, it, it doesn't really always matter with Bryce's velocity, but that extra mile per hour too usually gives him that extra bit of ride up in the zone, and that's when he gets his fastball up above barrels. Um, you know, he's really not giving up much damage besides solo home runs right now. I don't know the last time he gave up a run from a runner being on base. Um, you know, in this one, Wagner just had his number, and Wagner had FSU's number the whole weekend. Uh, that kid has really turned himself into something special, and yeah, I mean he he just he gave FSU nightmares all weekend. Um they didn't have they couldn't really couldn't really find someone to put him away too often. Um and really it just felt like Wright and Wagner hurt, kept hurting FSU over and over again and you know Grice has the one swing but um you know I still I don't really have any worries about Bryce. You know, I I think he will get better and um you know only one walk he was throwing strikes. He seemed sharp. Just couldn't put their lineup away for some reason. Um, you know, I, I still feel like Bryce is due for one of those starts where everything clicks and, you know, the slider is really sharp. The fastball's got that extra little ride to it. Um, so, yeah, I still 100% trust Bryce Hubbard. Um, you know, at the end of the day, he really hasn't even been close to his best in probably five or so starts, and he still has a 302 ERA in, in 56 innings and in, in 10 starts. He's six and one this year. Um, yeah, I mean, outside of the home runs, you, you really can't ask for much more out of Bryce. He's only walked fourteen guys, so um, not beating himself, and that's all you can ask for, really. Uh, moving to Sunday, FC jumped down to a three-zero lead. Um, took advantage of some a couple errors by Clemson. Um, had a couple timely hits by Tibbs, like I mentioned, and also Reese had a, an amazing at bat. I think it was ten pitch AB where he pokes the ball the opposite way for an RBI single. Um, and then Carson comes out and throws six pitches, one, two, three, first. It felt like, all right, here we go. Here's a Sunday where FSU is finally going to put it together and not have a complete meltdown. Um, man, was that not what happened? Pretty much the same thing happened that's been happening on Sundays. Um, in the second inning, Carson comes out and basically had nothing but his fastball down the middle. Um, you know, he, he falls behind 3-0 to Wagner. Wagner ends up doubling off the wall. Falls behind 3-0 to Corbett. Corbett ends up walking. Falls behind 2-0 to Grice. And I remember I was sitting up in the press box, and I was just like, this game's – it felt like the game was about to be tied because you knew that Carson was going to have to go to the fastball, and you knew that it was probably going to be down the middle because um, for some reason that's all he had that inning. Um, and Grice took advantage. Opposite field 3 and homer tied the game, and, um, you know, Carson's not able to get down the inning. But, you know, you get really good relief work from White Crowell. Five innings, only gives up one run. Um, that was in his last inning of work. Only gave up two hits, didn't walk in. He struck six guys out. Um, I think he worked – I think he retired ten straight from the third to the fifth, including the last batter of the second. Um, he was cruising. That's what Wyatt is when he throws strikes. He can be that good. He's absolutely unfair against left-handed hitters. Um, I think he struck out Grice on three straight sliders, and it didn't look, didn't look like he had a chance on any of them. Um yeah, I mean, like I've always said, White has first-round talent. It's just about, you know, putting it together and really focusing and locking in for him. Um, you know, he can get righties out, too, at a high rate. When he's getting the fastball in under the hand, um, under the hands of the right-handed hitter, it can be really tough on them, lock them up. It's hard to get the bat head out um, on 95 from a left-handed, you know, especially that slot that White comes from. And, um, yeah, I think we're just starting to see how good White can be. Um, and it's been really good to see him do it in a, a lot of different roles. I think that's really good for Wyatt. He has a 2.86 ERA in 28 innings this year. Um, doesn't have a loss on his record. He's 3-0. and 
um, 40 Ks in 28, 28 and a third innings. So um, that alone just tells you the, the kind of stuff that he has. Uh, so, you know, FSU is getting really good innings out of him and Connor Whitaker, you know, and they're really fulfilling some big roles for them um, and doing good things. Um, you know, FSU takes a, a 5-3 lead because, you know, Jordan Carrion comes through again with a double. Um, it's, it's hard to tell you that there's many, there's not many people um, – there's not many people you're going to be able to find that are hotter than carry on right now. Uh, Energizer bunny uh, at the plate. Um, but you know, he did make a couple mistakes there in the eighth inning that were part of the, you know, the kind of the collapse. Um, you know, one, you know, it's a tie game after Clemson ties it in the seventh. Uh, Jonah came in with two on and one out, struck out the first guy, but then it allows a double to tie the game. Um, believe that was Wright who tied it with his second straight double and as many at bats. Um, I, I didn't hate the move to Jonah. Didn't love it. I just, I just, I didn't really know who they would have gone to, to get Wright and Wagner out. The two, the guy I thought would have been the guy was, um, was Baumeister out of the guys available just because I feel like he is the most powerful stuff and, and from the right side, but you know, Baum started that inning and walked two guys and all of his misses were in the same spot, that spot. They were all up above the zone. Um, so he really didn't have an option there, but Davis gets you out of the inning with a tie game at least. Davis comes back out for the eighth, strikes out the first hitter. I think it was Grice, but um, Colton loses the ball in between his feet. Um, that's just, I don't know, man. That, that's just baseball, and, and someone's got to communicate better to him where that ball is. Um, he's probably also needs to, you know, rip that mask off, throw it somewhere. But, you know, <coughs> there's nothing really fundamental to that one for me. It's just a ball that gets lost in between his feet. And then, you know, he kind of rushed the throw, but it didn't seem like there was any way for him to get the runner anyways. Um, Davis allows a single to the next guy. First run scores on a throw down. Um, that gets past, I think it was, you know, kind of an in-between hop on rank. He couldn't knock it down. It goes to the outfield. Um, and then they hit it. You know, they ground one to short. Jordan tries to go to, to third to get the guy out. He bobbles it. Looked like he rushed it a little bit. I thought that, that, was, that was the right instinct in the moment to try to get that runner out. Uh, but he just didn't execute. Um, so you get runners on the corners. Then I believe they scored a, you know, on an RBI ground down. Um, you know, I let, know a lot of people were upset with that the infield wasn't in there, but you're trying to turn a double play, you know, on the middle because it's going to be tough to get the guy on at the plate anyways if he's moving on contact. So I didn't hate that. Um, but they do get an out there finally. Um, but then, you know, I think they had another stolen base. You know, the ball gets to the outfield again, um, and they go to third. Then Jordan, you know, they get two outs. Jordan makes a really nice play on a ball, on a ball that, you know, most people don't get to. But then the throw pulls Terrell up the bag, so that's another error. Scores another run. Um, that was just wheels falling apart for Florida State. Um, and, you know, it, it's weird for me because I, I don't know how to make complete sense that inning because I know Jordan – is a really good defender and Jordan's going to make those plays most of the time. He just didn't make them there in that moment. Um, and it's tough, but you know, it's hard not to trust Jordan carry on in the defense that he gives you day in and day out. He's just that good. Um, I mean, he played He made a play in the first inning of that game. That was absolutely ridiculous. Probably the best play we've seen all year. Um, you know, some of Jordan's errors come because there's not many guys that are going to get to that ball. Um, but you just expect him to. You expect him to make the really good plays, and he just didn't. He just did in that eighth inning, and, you know, it goes the way it does. But overall, I mean, you can't have five errors in a game. It's just Sundays. You can't have a guy go one inning again. You're getting nothing out of these Sunday spots. Um, You know, I'll talk a little bit more about that more after this. But, yeah, for to lose this series in the way it did, it was – was not fun, um, and Meat was not happy after the game. You know, I spoke to him for a couple minutes post game, and you know, most of it was just we've got a lot to figure out, and it, it, this is the right time to have a week off. This is the right time to, you know, get some guys healthy, figure some things out, and and just have a reset a little bit and get done with finals and, and clear the mind out. Um, so yeah, FC goes up to Clemson and drops two of three. Led in all three games, late in all three games, but couldn't capitalize on game one and game three, and um, that is what it is. But, you know, FSU did not move down a ton in, in RPI um, because, 
Clemson was quad one and on the road. I think Florida State only ended up, you know, moving down four spots from the whole weekend. I think they're number 20 in RPI now. Uh, So not the end of the world, but it is a missed opportunity big time. Um, And the way it happened, that that can't happen again. Um, Someone's got to put a stop to that when it's happening. Um, So, yeah, FSU's got to figure that out and figure out a lot of roles here moving forward. Um, You know, for me, I think there's four real underlying issues with this team that is making it very up and down right now. Um, Still think it's a good team um, for sure. It's not a team that I think is bad or, or sucks or anything like that. Um, but there are some major issues right now that they've got to figure out one way or another how to fix them. Um, you know, I, I think, number one, the biggest issue right now is I think there are a lot of bats in this in this lineup that are profiling, but you, the two that you, relied, that you were going to rely on the most probably as run producers are heavily not profiling. Um, and that's Terrell and Lacey. Um, you know, just between the two of them, they've left 35 guys on base over the last 17 games. Um, Alex over his last 17 games is five of 54. Um, and he only has one single four hits for those hits are home runs. He's had 12 hitless games in six games. He didn't reach base striking out 50% of those at bats and only seven walks. Um, I do think he looked better this weekend. There were some at bats, um, that he put the ball in play where he hadn't been recently, but he's still not doing for you what you what you need him to do. You need him to have a big home run on that weekend at some point. You need him to have a big hit because that he, this lineup was built to make you know a lot of athletic guys, a lot of guys that can move all over the place. You know, a couple other guys with some pop and production, but the main guys that were supposed to be in the middle of this order were Logan Lacey and Alex Terrell. One because of track record, two because they fit at the ballpark, and three it felt they felt like they could get defensive upgrades from both of them I think because you came into the year with Logan in center and you knew that was going to be better than what you had last year and you knew Alex was going to be better than what you had at first base last year and you know for the most part out of the last couple of games for Logan I think they both have been better for you defensively but you need them to be run producers and that's just they're just not right now um, Logan's nine for 57 in his last 15 games only three hits the last nine games He's got 24 Ks in that in that 15 game span and only four walks, um, and three of those walks came in one game. Uh, he's got zero extra base hits the last 15 games and zero home runs the last 22 games. Um, in the first 24 games this year, Logan had 13 extra base hits, and the 30 games before this all this whole rut started for him, he had 12 home runs in the 30 games before that. Um, it. it uh, He's also he had three errors and seven opportunities this past week and entering the weekend he only had three errors on the season and a 962 fielding percentage for his career. Um, so he, it's, for me, the one that perplexes me the most is Logan because for a year and a half at this program, he was the, the model of consistency, I think. Um, you know I think through the first 85 games of his career he was hitting 304 305 as a seminal. Um, and, you know, he hit for good average at TCC, I believe, as well. It's just been very weird to watch him struggle this way. I would have never thought that that would, that would happen. Um, for me, I think Logan, a big part of his issue is his pitch selection right now. Um, you know, just going – I went back and watched the ABs from this past week, and I haven't gone back and watched all of them. I've, I've gone back a couple times and seen a few of them. Um, but for me, I just feel like he's – it's all pitch selection because he's taking fastballs down the middle to begin ABs, and then he's often in 0-2 or 1-2 counts. He's just not in good counts, and then you know it looks like he's swinging to swing and swinging to try to not strike out rather than you know making a selection on the pitch. It just feels like he's he's decided pre-pitch to swing or he's decided pre-pitch he's going to take. Um, it's been watched. I, I mean, I, it's been weird to watch. I'm sure he's pressing. I'm sure he's some of it's mechanical, you know, mechanical too. But for me, I just think he needs to start attacking more fastballs down the, you know, early in counts and, and be aggressive like he used to be. He used to be such a, you know, see, like get that first pitch fastball and hit it. It just it used to be very simple for him, I feel like. And, you know, one long rut like this can really, you know, mess with your mindset to play. And I think it's done that for Logan. Um, with Alex, I, I, 
I don't know. It's it's tough. I don't know if it's approach. I don't know if it's. I I don't know. I don't think he's hurt. I think he feels fine. Um, I know a lot of people say this is Alex Terrell. It's not Alex Terrell. Um, I was there for most. You know, basically every scrimmage fall in preseason. He hit every pitcher on FSU staff. He hit every pitch they had to throw him. You can ask Jimmy Bellinger how tough of an out he was um, in preseason and, and, and fall, and I think he'd probably tell you the toughest one he's had since he's been here, except for Matt Nelson. Um, and he, you know, at worst at Miami, the last few years as a, a perennial starter, he was hitting 260 and striking out about 30-some percent of the time. And now he's basically striking out 50% of the time and it's home run or nothing. Um, That's that's just not who Alex Terrell is, I don't think. Um, They've they've just got to figure something out with with both of them. Um, It's tough. They just – you need those guys to produce for this team to go. I mean, at at the end of the day, if Alex and Logan aren't going to produce, basically every single game is going to be close and – the margin for error is going to be small. And I think we saw that this weekend where you didn't really get anything out of them. The margin for error was very small. You made error on Friday and Sunday and you lost. Um, if you had gotten production from those two, you might've been able to get away with it um, here and there. You might've been able to win two or three or, or maybe even sweep the series. We, who knows? But um, you, that's number one underlying issue right now. It's just those two guys have not profiled, have not produced the way that they have done in the past and the way that they were expected to. Um, you know, I think number two underlying issue is the Sunday starter spot. You basically got nothing out of that since the NC State start, whether it's Ross or whether it's Carson. Um, and, look, I think Carson's fully capable of doing it still. I think Carson was kind of due for a really bad outing or, you know, not due, but just in a spot where that could happen after, you know, you know, not having a regular routine, he threw on, on you know only four pitches on Wednesday, but it's not a regular routine and this and that. And um, you know, he was really good in the first and just gotten bad bad counts against three good hitters, and that kind of ended his outing at Clemson. Um, I still think Carson's progressed in, the, in in a really positive direction this year, and really think his future is still you know as a starter on the mound. But you know. For me, you know, I know, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later, and they've already announced what they're doing this weekend. But for me, the solution I would go with would be, and you know, Clemson did this last weekend as well. Their Saturday and Sunday guys were both TBA. If I was FSU, I would go into every Sunday with, I would go into every weekend with my Sunday starter as TBA, because I think, you know, I think Carson Montgomery could start. I think Connor Whitaker could start as well. I think Grosdon can start as well when he's back to normal. White Corral has shown you he can do it. Scalaro has shown you he can open. So I think my whole my whole thing is with TBA, it gives you so much flexibility to what you're going to do those first two games. So say you're back in the situation at Clemson with the TBA. You have a two-run game in the eighth or a one-run game in the eighth, and you go, we want this win. We're going to go get the we, – let's go get this win right now and not worry about the other stuff coming up. On Sunday, we'll figure out when we get there. So let's throw Carson out there, close the door, two innings. And you know what? He's probably not going to start Sunday, but you also probably have him for another two innings on Sunday. Um, now you could go into Saturday. Someone goes five innings. You need Connor Whitaker, Whitaker to be your bridge. Then you go from there. You have, you know, if if one of them isn't used, then you start them. Yeah, but if they're both used, then what? So John, Jonas Galaro can be an opener. White Corral has shown you that he can throw, you know, four or five innings. Um, you know, Baumeister, I think, can start too. Nazu can start too. Um, those guys have all been built up. Um, you, you just – you need to have some more flexibility, I think, with what you want to do. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're going with an opener on Sundays, it, it's not any different than what you've been getting recently from your starters. So you're not losing anything in – in the fact in innings wise. So if you, if you roll out Jonas for three innings, that's no, you know, it's no different for your bullpen than if, you know, Ross or Carson goes out there and only gives you three or less. Um, I, I just think that Carson 
can be a really good closer right now, and if you have opportunities to go win games with him, then go win games with him. Um, and if you have opportunities to go win games with Connor Whitaker as your bridge, as a long relief guy, go do that too. Um, and Sunday, wake up Sunday and figure out what you need to do. Um, so, yeah, that's it's a little complicated. I think that's the way that college baseball is going to start to move, though. Like MLB has moved to, you know, shorter rotations and an opener here and there because um, it just makes it harder on other teams, too, to mix and match. Um, so we'll see what that situation looks like moving forward. Um, a third underlying issue for me is there's no bullpen arm right now that is a righty-righty specialist. Um, and in that, what I mean by that is just there's no – so when when Clemson was coming up with Wright and Wagner, back-to-back right-handed hitters with power and can do a lot, there was there's no FSU reliever to say, I trust this righty to get this righty out. I got this righty to go and get swing and miss from them. Um, there's a couple – there's a few things that go into that with this team. Joe Charles was definitely expected to be that guy, but he goes out with Tommy John. David Barrett was expected to be that guy with the slider he has. But we just haven't seen him really in a long time, I think – you know, some confidence has, has gone away there. Um, you know, Dylan Simmons, you know, is a righty-righty guy with a slider, but, you know, Dylan's more so, his slider's more so of a cutter where it doesn't have that huge horizontal movement. It's it's hard and short, um, and, you know, the two-seam runs in, but, you know, everything kind of has that same movement. Um, you know, I think the guy that he would be the best guy there with the way this staff's going right now, um, that's just another reason why I think Carson could be such a valuable pen back there because you know you could go to Carson with his slider and get a lot of right-handed hitters out. Um, you know, I know Davis is a righty, but Davis has backward splits because, you know, he mostly uses the splitter, and that's really tough on left-handed hitters. And like we saw with Wagner, sometimes that can, you know, get left up and get banged by a right-handed hitter. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. You know, Baumeister would be the guy for me, but – you know, he's struggling with strikes right now. And, you know, Bomb doesn't really have anything. He doesn't have a slider. It's more of a curveball that, that can, you know, it. he can get righties out with it. But it, it's more so, I would say, for lefties. And um, so, yeah, it's just they don't have one certain guy. Like they had Jack Anderson last year with his slider, Tyler Earhorn with his slider. They had guys to go get right-handed batters out, out of the pen. And right now, when when – when you're only getting one or so inning from the Sunday starter, then you you keep getting you know you keep getting in positions where you feel like you're an arm short of, of doing something and, and putting guys in the spots you want them to. Um, you know, I think another big underlying issue with this team is the fact that Tyler Martin's still not ready to throw yet, and you know, Meat said today that he's probably not close to being ready to throw either. Um, so you know, him having that means he can only DH, and you know, I think that's made some pieces hard to fit in the puzzle. Um, a lot of that house has to do with B-Rob not being able to throw, really. Um, you know, he is physically able to throw, but it seems like he's got the yips right now, and, you know, they've been toying with his arm motion a lot, and the times that he has time to, th- to think about the throw is when he struggles right now. We see it because he made a perfect throw on, on a ball that he had to run in on and, you know, a slow roller, and he didn't have time to think about it. He just gloved it and threw it. Um, and that was a good throw, but every time, I mean, there was a routine grounder to the second that was about 30 feet away from first base, and, and he kind of lobbed a throw to first, and Alex ended up having to tag the runner running down the line. Um, so between that and Tyler not being able to throw, you're losing ABs from, from B-Rob because he has to get defensive subs, and you feel like, you know, those ABs are coming back to bite you. Um, you know, if Tyler was healthy, he could probably play second. Trayton could play third and B-Rob could DH and get every at-bat and he needs every at-bat he can get because I still believe he's the best pure hitter on this team and kind of impacts you you feel like every time he comes to the bat it 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 has the best chance to impact the game whether it's with his legs working a walk or or a double or something a line drive right now you feel like him and Tibbs are probably your two guys if um to go along with Jaime and T-Mart um and those guys at the top with Reese, but it just, everything would fit a lot better. And, you know, things would, you wouldn't have to do all these subs and have so many moving pieces, I think. And, 
you could do the platoons like you want to um but yeah it is what it is so i think those are the four big issues but like i said um at the end of the day you got to get alex and logan going or you got to find a way to you got to find a way to profile in different ways then you're gonna have to rethink how you want to do some things um or you're gonna have to rethink how you approach the game with tyler i mean with alex and logan you're gonna have to get in the cages with them and figure out what works for them because right now what you're doing with them it's not working and it's probably you know it, it it's not just one person i don't think i don't think it's just what logan's doing i don't think it's just what logan's being told i'm sure there's a little bit on both sides um at the end of the day players got to make plays and, and players got to hit good pitches to hit and take pitches that they shouldn't be swinging at um so i'll be interested to see how they're utilized this weekend and if there's some changes made um with either of them in, in approach or with their swing or, or something like that um let's move on to tcu though um after this week fcu had this week off um mostly for finals um and, but they have a big opportunity coming up this weekend, and a lot of the reason why you know that Clemson one wasn't wasn't kind that Clemson series loss wasn't you know the death of chances for a regional host because you have some big opportunities still ahead of you. Um, TCU comes in at number twenty nine in RPI, number twenty in D one baseball. Um, they're also as ranked as high as number six and number seven. Uh, I think they're number one in the Big Twelve standings right now, heading into the weekend. Um, you know they're coming off back-to-back series wins over, over top ten teams. Number nine Texas Tech and at number eight OK State. And they've only lost one game in the last two weekends. I think they swept Texas Tech. Um, you know with some real conviction. They're six and four over the last ten games, uh, and they're eight and eight on the road this year. Uh, FSU is zero and two all time versus TCU. Both those losses came in the 2010 College World Series. Um, so I'm sure there will be. Some fans that want some revenge this weekend at Dick Hauser Stadium. Um, Kirk Sarlus is in his first year as their head coach at TCU. Um, TCU, he was at TCU for the nine years prior as an assistant coach. I believe he's the recruiting coordinator um, and was the pitching coach as well. Um, at the plate, they hit 268 as a team, 417 slug, 380 on base percentage, 978 fielding percentage. Um, some names to watch for in the lineup. Tommy Sacco leads them with a 361 average, a 632 slug, and 56 hits. Uh, he's also tied for the team lead with eight homers, and he's got nine stolen bases to go along with it. So a bit of a power and speed threat there. I believe he is their shortstop. Um, Braden Taylor leads the team with 44 runs and 38 walks. On base, on base machine with a 461 on base percentage. I believe he's their third baseman. Um, David Bishop leads the team with 37 RBIs and Elijah Nunez is a real threat on the base pass has 21, um, attempts and he's had, and he's, um, successfully stolen 20 bases. Uh, so he's going to run a lot and he's going to run successfully and he also gets on base a lot. Um, so those are the main four at the top of the order for them that are going to make things happen. Um, you know, they don't have a ton of firepower in the lineup, uh, you know, sack, they don't have anyone with double digit home runs. This year, a couple guys have eight homers. Um, I believe there's a couple other with, um, you know, a few other with four. But that's a team. They only have 35 home runs this year. Pretty similar offense to Florida State when it comes to that. Um, so, yeah, but they do have some more speed on the bases than FSU. They got 56, 58 stolen bases as a team. Um, Luke Boyers also has eight stolen bases. And Braden Taylor also has seven. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. How Florida State's lineup, how Florida State's pitching staff approaches them, um, and how you know wary they are of the guys in the bases and watching them move. Um, been pretty good at, at holding runners on base until that last game at Clemson in that eighth inning, um, but for the most part, the starters have done a really good job of holding guys on so far this season. Um, for FSU, Meet announced today that um, there will be a bit of a change in the rotation. Parker will still go on Friday. Um, Carson will start on Saturday and Bryce will start on Sunday. Bryce was, you know, I think he was sick earlier in the week and they wanted to make sure that he had all the time he needed to go through his normal routine, give him an extra day to get ready, and he'll go on Saturday. Um, you know, don't know if that will be a full time thing to keep him in that routine or just this week. Um, I, I'm excited to see Carson get back on the mound. I know I've said, you know, multiple times I would like to see him as a closer, but. 
at the same time, Carson, I think his future is as a starter. Um, and I want I want him, I want to see him bounce back from last week because, you know, I think that one inning doesn't doesn't change his progression so far that he's made this season. Uh, Mead also mentioned that Jackson Green will likely be un, unavailable. He was unavailable this past weekend. Might be available Sunday. They said slight chance. Um, just started hitting again um, and starting slowly, slowly starting to get back into moving around the field and taking some grounders. Um, you know, I think he got a pretty good pull of that hamstring. Uh, Ross Dunn is also going to be unavailable this weekend. It sounded like um, they're still working on some things with him in the pen, um, but I think they they believe that's progressing in a positive direction. Um, we'll go over the staff here for TCU. Uh, some key names for them to watch for on toe in the rubber uh, as a pitching staff: four four three ERA, two fifty five average against, and nine oh seven Ks per nine. Um, it's not a super over powerful staff. Um, only 907 Ks per nine and 255 average. They do have some really good, you know, key names to watch for. Riley Cornelio is their Friday guy. He's a 381 ERA this year in 56.2 innings, uh, 9.53 Ks per nine. He's six foot three, 195 pound right-handed starter. All three of their starters this weekend will be righties. Uh, he's given up two runs or less in eight of his 10 starts and gone six or more innings in six of his 10 starts. Um, you know, last week he got his. You know, his ERA kind of bumped up a lot last year, uh, last week. He gave up 11 hits and eight runs, three home runs in, in his last outing against Oklahoma State. Only 3.1 innings pitched. That was his worst outing so far this year by far. Uh, really hadn't had a clunker yet this year. You know, a couple key things for him, I think, some places where, you know, he has some weaknesses. He's given up eight home runs this year. Um, and he's also allowed nine stolen bases in, in 10 attempts. So, um, interested to see if, if, if FSU tries to take some bags with him on the mound, put some pressure on him. Um, doesn't seem from the stats, doesn't seem like he's too great at holding, at holding runners on, um, does have good stuff on the mound, 92, 94 with the fastball. Um, when he's fresh, he can reach back for 96 and it's got a lot of arm side run. Um, you'll see a lot of movement in towards the right-handed hitters for FSU and away from the left-handed hitters. Um, 82, 84, um, mile per hour slider. Uh, it's, it's got short horizontal movement, but it's got hard downward action. Um, he tunnels it well with his fastball. Um, you know, sometimes it can blend with the curveball that he drops in once in a while. Uh, also throws an 86 to 88 mile per hour changeup, mostly against left-handed hitters, but it is really nasty. It can be really good at times. Um, it just tumbles out of the zone, below the zone um, on left-handed hitters and can be really tough, you know, to, to tell which pitch it is between the fastball and the changeup at times. Um, Saturday will be Marcelo Perez going for the Horn Frogs. He's a 2.97 ERA this year. Hasn't started very long. Um, only began starting this month. Was a reliever for his first three or so years at, at TCU. Um, he's thrown 30, 30 innings this year, 194 average against in 7.72 Ks per nine. Um, and his four appearances since becoming his starter, 20.1 innings pitched, 12 hits, seven earned run, 11 walks, 16 Ks. And three home runs so he has struggled a bit with the command since becoming you know a long you know uh stretched out on the mound um but his stuff is very good uh, can run his fastball up to 96 the pitch for me that i worry about with him on the mound is his slider it is really nasty really high spin slider in the low 80s it has a ton of horizontal movement on it it also bites downward um from the videos i saw i very much so worry about FSU's hitters against that pitch, and any hitter, any right-handed hitter against that pitch, um, I would expect. I would expect it early and often from him. Um, it's. I would. You know. I. I think you're going to be seeing a lot of that on Saturday. Um, so it'll be an interesting test. I think the biggest thing for FSU against him will just be their approach and making sure that they um, make him throw strikes because he struggled with that a little bit recently. Uh, Sunday is is a veteran guy for them. Brett Walker. Um, was a starter transfer this year in from Oregon. Made 15 starts there last year at a 366 ERA. Um, this year he struggled a, li- a little bit more in the Big 12. 4.92 ERA and 53 innings pitched over over um, 10 starts. 300 batting average against, I think, is what pops off the table. Um, isn't really going to walk guys. Also really isn't going to strike guys out. Um, he is going to be efficient, though. He's got six-plus innings pitched in his last I mean, six-plus innings pitched in six of his ten starts and given up 12 extra base hits in his last five starts, though. So there is some, you know, 
you would hope that the bats can break out there, especially with the extra base hit set, Hauser, and, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I think he's mostly just fastball, slider, change up, all pretty average pitches. Um, so that could be, um, you know, a Sunday for FSU to get out with the bats early. Um, but Walker is, I mean, he's a veteran guy that, you know, is capable of having a really good day. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago had a really, really good start against Texas Tech and um, to, to sweep that series. Um, also had a good start at, at Texas the week before, I believe. Uh, a couple of bullpen arms for them. Um, for the most part this year, their closer has been left-handed pitcher River Ridings. That's a great baseball name. Um, he was a great pitcher last year as a freshman for them. First-team freshman All-American. He had 108 ERA in 33 innings. Um, he's a guy with a, a low 3-4 slot from the left side, real funky angle. Going to be real tough on any lefty, real tough on any hitter, really, to pick up the ball on his hand. Um, 3-2-4 ERA this year in 16.2 innings pitched, 10 saves. Uh, but he does have a 309 average against, uh, 9.18 Ks per nine. Um, uh, you know, I would definitely expect in a close game for him to be in there at some point. Um, another guy from the Man of the Pen that's going to be used often is Luke Savage. He has 167 ERA, 27 innings pitched so far, and a 196 average against. The big X factor for TCU this weekend is, is lefty Austin Crobb. He was their ace to begin the year. Um, he he got hurt, I believe, six weeks ago. Been out was out six weeks, but came back last weekend to come out of the pen against Okie Okie State. Had two innings, no runs, no hits, no walks, three Ks against them. He was twenty twenty one second team All Big Twelve with three eight one ERA in eighty five innings. Um, big left. He's got a four two six ERA this year in nineteen innings pitched, twenty six Ks. Uh, most of his K's come on a sweeping slider in the low 80s. That is really nasty. Um, you know, we don't expect him to start this week, but he will be used by TCU, and I'm sure they'll use him in a big spot because it's a veteran guy. It's an ace that has that mentality, and, um, yeah, it's a tough timing for the Knowles for him to come back. Um, he's going to present a tough test, test when he comes out of the pen. Uh, I'm sure he'll be facing some lefties in, in some crucial spots. Uh, and that slider is going to be really tough on FSU. Um, so, yeah, these this course, you know, course six or so arms for them is really good. Um, you know, this, the whole numbers for the staff isn't great with a 4-4-3 ERA, but, you know, they face some teams in the Big 12 that can really hit. Um, this staff is, I think it's really, really good and kind of present some challenges to FSU. I really think it's going to be a low-scoring weekend all the way around. I think these two teams are actually pretty similar to each other. Um, the thing that's going to be huge, I think, is defense and um, how each te- how each team runs the bases. Um, you know, I'm worried that TCU may come in here and, and, and run a lot and try to put some pressure on FSU, especially after last weekend, the way they played defense, and see if they can get them to make some mistakes or, again early on in the weekend. So FSU's got to be ready for that. Um, and they got to be ready for a team that's coming in really confident. I mean, coming off two weekend series wins over – um, Texas Tech and Okie State and Okie State on the road. Um, they're not going to be afraid coming to Tallahassee and playing on the road. I think they know they can win everywhere. So huge test, huge opportunity, like I said. You can really make a statement here, I think, with a series win. I really don't know how this series is going to go. Pretty down the middle with it. I just think these teams are very similar. Um, and whichever team makes more plays, uh, in the field, I think is it's just that's going to determine this this weekend. Um, so they pull up the schedule real quick for the whole weekend. I believe it's seven, six, and twelve. Yeah, Friday, April 29th at seven o'clock on ACCNX. Uh, Saturday, April 30th at six o'clock on ACC Network, um, and Sunday, May 1st at noon on ACCNX. Uh, I believe Aria is calling the games on Friday and Sunday. So. You want to hear his voice? You're missing his voice right now. You can hear him on those broadcasts this weekend uh, in a big series for the Seminoles. Big non-conference opportunity. When they made this schedule, I think this was kind of the idea where you could make a statement this weekend and um, you know move back into to regional host conversation. Um, so, so let's get back to this. Um, let's get into this mailbag. Got a lot of questions this week. Not very surprised. Um, so try to knock a lot of these out um, as quick as I can. Um, somebody asked if regionals were tomorrow, who is our game two starter? Um, I mean, I don't know the exact order. I mean, one and two are Parker and 
Bryce, but I'm just saying I don't know. You know, sometimes teams go with their number two starter first, but part, Bryce is this this team's number two starter, and for good reason. All you need to do is look at his numbers this year to know that. Um, so, yeah. Um, another questions, a couple questions that I'm going to group together here. Um, since Jaime was such a highly recruited catcher, why does he not get a chance there? Someone else asked while at FSU is ranked taking reps at catcher. I know he caught some big arms at Buford. Um, Jaime did come in. He did practice as a catcher in the fall and some in preseason. He's just not ready behind the plate. Still could be there long term, um, but the place for him this year is in the outfield. Um, he's, he's just not ready receiving-wise, um, but with the glove and the athleticism, uh, I mean the arm and the athleticism are both there. Um, just needs some time. Um, Trayton has not taken any reps at catcher. Uh, I think he's just too valuable everywhere else. He's just such a good infielder, such a good outfielder as well. Um, he definitely could play back there as an emergency catcher, um, but I just don't. That's just n- not the spot for him right now um, when it comes to this roster or you know where he needs where he's valuable for this team. Um, and and you know, Meat talked about his versatility today and how big of a help he's been to move a bunch of guys around and just you know get the best fit every day um someone said if montgomery were to move to a closer role then who would be your best guess as the sunday starter um or is monty still the best option as a weekend starter um like i mean i talked about this a little bit earlier about what my solution would be there um you know if you're asking the question if monty was to go there and i had to pick one guy um my one guy would be connor whitaker um you know as of now i don't know i i you know i still think monty is a really good option as a starter um it's just comparative to the value you're gonna get um i i want to see a couple more starts from carson um to know exactly which which spot we think he's going to be better in long term um someone asked buy sell and why why not fsu hosts a regional um it's tough um i'm very 50 50 right now after last weekend i would probably have to say sell um i would sell because this team's not playing consistent and they're not getting what they need to from a couple key pieces um and just because you know a couple injuries here and there right now and you know still trying to get ross back um but you know if someone asked me was i if i was to buy i would buy just because of the schedule coming up i think it favors fsu in the way that they have opportunities to make themselves a ho- make themselves a host and both those opportunities come at home with tcu in miami and you know fsu's played well at home this year and if they could get you know, series wins at both those spots, it'd be huge. And especially you get BC on the road, you feel like you're going to win a series there and, you know, hopefully you sweep there and UNC, um, you know, it, it's not the the worst matchup in the year to end the ro- to end the year on the road in North Carolina. Um, obviously every year ACC tournament will probably play a big role, but um, if I had to buy that, would be why just because of the way the schedule sets up um and the opportunities that are coming up for florida state but right now i would probably have to sell um if i if i was you know someone forcing me to do that um i think chris knee asked this which is more important from a postseason perspective in your opinion reliable closer or third starter um for me it'd probably be a closer Uh, i mean those are the biggest spots that only certain guys can handle and only certain only certain um arms are capable of doing it because of stuff and you got to find guys that are also able to do it when it comes to composure um you know i think a dominant closer versus a dominant sunday guy if you stack them up one by one at the end of the year and you you said you know who made a who made a bigger difference in our season you're going to say closer probably um, I mean, you could literally go into a regional and not even get to a game three if you have a closer blow game one or in game two. Um, so that's definitely why I would say closer is more important. Um, but at the end of the day, to get through a 56 game season, you, you you've got to get better. You've got to get better results from the start of a Sunday than, than FSU has been recently. I think. Um, someone asked, how safe would you say Mike Martin Jr.'s job is? Would he be on the hot seat after 2023 if, say, next season our hitting is still at the same level it currently is? Or would he stay our coach as long as he keeps us as a fringe top 25 team? 
Um, I, I don't think Meat's going to be. I don't think Meat's going to be fired after this year. Um, you know, it's still only his second full season, and COVID obviously, you know, has changed some things. And rosters are rosters are older than they've ever been, and and recruiting, you know, you have to get out earlier than ever before too. Um, you know, the transfer the transfer portal has changed some things as well. Um, now, if, if if this team doesn't improve next year, you'd not see it would get pretty hot, I think. And just being a fringe team, fringe top 25 team, is, is not going to cut it long term here. Uh, you know, A.D. Alfred, I think he really, you know, he understands baseball. He understands college baseball. Comes from Mississippi State where it's important, and he played there, and, you know, they had good teams. Um, I, long-term fringe top 25 is not going to cut it for him, I don't think. Um, so that's why FCDs need to improve. They need to improve hitting. Um, at the same time, FCU also needs to get improvements with their facilities. Improvements need to be made everywhere with this program right now. And it, it's not one person. It's not one player. It's not one coach that's an issue. It's, 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 it's everywhere. Things need to be done better, I think. Uh, everyone could be better at, at something. Um, I mean, you could say that about most places, but the facilities um it's not close i mean we were at clemson this past weekend it's it's not close it's it's very much like you're talking like college to little league type discrepancies when it comes to certain things so i think some people need to to step up in in every area um coaching players you know everything around it needs to to take a step forward a little bit um what needs to happen in order for this team to be more consistent week in and week out. Um, you know, I just think you just got to get consistent. Like I, I know I've been harping on these two guys, most of the podcast, but if you can just get consistent productivity and quality at bats from Logan and Terrell, I think it just helps so much. You just, and everything just fits so much better. Things go the way they need to. Um, and there just needs to be, there needs to be one solid. There needs to be one solid approach at the plate. It seems like it's very up and down right now, and it, 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 some days it's there, some days it's not. Um, whatever a player needs to do for him to succeed, that needs to happen every day. It, it shouldn't. It can't change from one day to another. It can't. Can't be getting told different things by different people. Like everything needs to be. You hear one thing. You do one thing, you see one thing, you do it every day, and that's just you, you. You go from there, you succeed from there. Um, but yeah, more so, more than anything, you just need you need these two guys. You need everyone to keep doing what they're doing, and those two guys to profile the way they need to. And you need your good defenders to play good defense, um, and just put guys in their best roles to succeed. I think and. Wherever that is, however that needs to happen, and just think if that's Carson moving to the pen, if that's Carson staying Sundays, some just got to figure something out. And I think this long week has probably helped them figure some things out. And I also think some players have probably been helped in a large way, mentally, physically, and just kind of taking a step back and getting the weight lifted off your shoulders of classes. Um, I think the level of baseball will get better these last few weeks of the regular season. Um, someone said, do you see Alex Terrell getting the majority of the remaining starts at first, or do you see Meat try and eventually move either Mathis, Rank, or Tyler when healthy to that spot? Um, I don't think Tyler's going to go there when he's healthy just because I, I don't think he was you know, very good defensively at first base last year. I, I think he struggled with that. He needs to go to a position that suits him, like second base. I think that's more so of his natural position. Trayton has obviously already shown us he can play there. Um, you know, Trayton, I also think it's going to be used at second, third, left. Um, so we'll see. I think we'll still see Alex start every game this weekend against three righty arms, or at least the first game and go from there. Um, you know, I have been saying for a while, I would like to see them give Mathis a chance to take ground balls at first base and just see, just do it just to see, um, at some point, right. You gotta, you gotta try it out, I think, but you know, I think we will see ranks there some games, um, outside of that, I think it's going to be Alex for now, unless we see, you know, Brock start to take some grounders there, which we haven't yet. And, you know, 
they're not going to put Tyler there, even if he's, you know, they're not going to put him there with if he can't throw. And I don't think they'll put him there when he's healthy either as of now. Um, so I said thoughts on this coaching staff and their ability to bring in talent, um, recruiting classes and transfer portal. Also, do you think the 2020 recruiting class was impacted since there wasn't a head coach in waiting? Removing Monty and Crowell sometimes done, uh, but aside from those guys, that class was a complete dud. Um, and I'd have to go, you know, that I think I was talking to Aria so at some point this weekend about, you know, the, the way recruiting has gone um, when you don't really have a, you know, a head coach in recruiting and you're not recruiting – I mean, head coach and waiting, and you're not recruiting ahead of time. It's going to be tough. Um, when it was really just meet recruiting those last couple of years, and you don't really have a head coach out on the on the trail, and you're trying to recruit, scout, um, cross check, do everything that they need to do. When really the classes that you're looking at are, are four years away or three years away, um, you're never really looking at a class that's next year or two years away it's not like football you can't come in and all of a sudden get a couple guys late um this just doesn't happen in baseball recruiting you know for high school players um you got to go out and get guys when they're either in freshman sophomore even in eighth grade it's just you know i'm not saying that's a great way for the game to be going but that's the way the game is going um so i think that's i mean the only person that had a any touch on that 2020 class is is meat and you know meat didn't really have a ton of help i don't think either and you know it's hard for one guy to go out and get a ton i think this staff is very good at getting talent i think they're very good at at evaluating guys and i think they're very good at getting guys onto campus i mean the fact that you've gotten carson montgomery and jackson ballmeister on campus the last two years is it that says something about what they're doing, I think. Um, those are both guys that probably would have gone at worst, you know, middle of the second round out of high school. Um, and I think, you know, you know, obviously Alex came from the transfer portal and that has not worked out so far. But, you know, I think getting Brett was a, was a good pull. I think that's going to be a guy that ends up going in the top 10 rounds of MLB draft. You got him from Texas Tech. That's a good evaluation of talent. Um, Jaime Ferrer was a guy that committed to this new staff and Mike Metcalf. Um, obviously, he's shown you what he can do. Trayton Rank um, was a meat guy. Um, I believe Tibbs was also a meat guy. Those two were kind of a package deal. Um, Connor Whitaker was, you know, a guy they've got, Mike Metcalf. Um, so there, there's, I mean, and you, all you got to do is look at the, the classes coming up. I think 2023 is top five in the country i want to say i believe 2024 is number one in the country 2025 is off to a good start 2026 has one commit that is very 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 good um 2022 class is top 10 in the country um and look they brought also brought in jordan from the transfer portal who i think has shown you that he's a very good shortstop and can make things happen um at the plate too um I'm trying to think who else. I mean, they brought in Joe Charles, who I thought was going to be very good, potentially a closer. He just got hurt. Um, so, yeah, I still think – I still believe in this, you know, the coaching staff and their ability to bring in talent, 100%. I think they're very good at bringing in talent, actually. Um, you know, you just have a couple – you have a class right now that is a dud when it comes to hitting. Um, but, you know, the transfer portals were brought in – this. the transfer portal guys were brought in this year to try to, you know – you know counteract that and you know a couple guys i think have hit for the most part and you you know a couple guys haven't hit and i think that's kind of the way the transfer portal goes for the most part i mean we've seen it with football i feel like most of the time it's 50 50 um so we'll see um i do think the transfer portal is going to be a big part the thing is i i know this staff is very good at cross-checking and i know the staff is very good at evaluating kids for their you know character as well there's there's you don't see anyone on this team that doesn't want to be here and, you know, not a good teammate, really. Um, they do a very good job at that. Um, and if this staff is here long term, I think, you know, I really, truly believe that they're going to get a lot of talent. Mike Metcalf is very good at what he does. Meat's always been a good recruiter. Jimmy's always been a really good recruiter and produced talent. Um, when it, 
it's just it's so tough to explain it with baseball but you really you do have to give it you know a while you have to give it a while for the talent to really start to roll in I mean still they're when they took over in 2020 you know the main classes that people are probably on are 2022 and 2022 to 2024 they're not working on 2020 and 2021 and really probably not even 2022 a ton maybe to some some to you know a certain degree um or I guess they came in in 2019 so you know 2020 2019 2020 and 2021 probably were not what they were touching for the most part um 2022 to 2024 those are the classes I really want to see get in here see the talent I think that will tell us more so what the coaching staff can do talent wise than the stuff that's already here um because they do work really hard on the trail in the summer and the fall and all the time even in regular season you know they make trips to go see guys um and I think they get they know what they're supposed to be doing they're out early on guys they do good evaluations um you know for example Edwin Arroyo who they did not get on campus last year but was drafted in the I want to believe the compensation compensation round or second round um when he committed to FSU he was not ranked on anything no one really knew his name that was someone FSU went out and found FSU's top recruit this year in this class, Cameron Smith, when he committed to FSU, was not ranked, was not known by anyone um, last summer, and he's now supposed to go, you know, first three rounds in the draft. So they're good. They're good evaluators. They can find talent in rough spots too. Um, just it's it's hard to explain. I know a lot of people are so used to football and it coming in a year or two. Baseball, it's really four or five years sometimes, and um, so we'll see um but yeah so that's that for this podcast um hopefully i'll have aria back on here next next week talk about tcu series take more of a look at some national stuff um but big opportunity for fsc this weekend tcu friday to sunday um times at seven six and noon um so we'll talk to you next week